expect a lot more than you think. Well, good evening, good evening. It's good to see you guys uh, joining with us online. I see some has already started to hop online, and uh, we've got some others that are here as well. So um, anyway, as I said, I believe last Wednesday, if uh, you see me not looking directly into the iPad, it is because we are here at the sanctuary, of course, and we are also uh, looking and addressing those that are within uh, the congregation. But we are just so thankful and happy that you guys are here with us um, tonight and that you have decided to join in with us online. Um, we're privileged and honored and, of course, give the Lord all the praise for it. Uh, just a couple of announcements in case uh, any of you are wondering or maybe haven't caught the uh, services that we did this past Sunday online. Um, I know that we've had some technical issues uh, to take place online, and we are working through those right now. Um, there were some connectivity issues, but we're working on it. The piece that we needed uh, has been delayed, I believe, because of uh, there being so much shipment now taking place because everything is online. So that is what we are waiting on. But hopefully this Sunday you will not have that problem at all when you are watching online. Uh, as well, remember um, this Sunday morning, with that being said, our services will be at 10 30 a.m. as well as our Sunday evening service being at 6 p.m. And we want to encourage you guys that, uh, to come. Those of you that are watching right now or those of you that will be watching, uh, we have opened up our doors uh, here. We just not have placed it publicly online as far as in writing, but we have opened up our doors. We have plenty of seating here uh, and people have begun to come out because we just we consider and we know that church is essential, amen? And so uh, we feel and believe that if uh, uh, it's always been essential and it's more essential than anything else. And so if they can amen. open up stores and all of that other stuff, we can open up the house of God, amen? And we've got plenty of seating here to where we can abide by the guidelines that the CDC as well as the president has set. So do not be afraid and do not let fear rule your heart. Um, I know that there has been concerns but it is time that we get back into the house of God and that we as a church take a stand. And for the last couple of weeks, we have had our doors opened up and people have come in and we have just had a tremendous time in the Lord and the presence of the Lord has been here. So those of you that are watching that are here in the Yakimville area, we want to encourage you guys to come out and to be with us. Um, I know that watching online is wonderful and it's great and thank God for the technology, but I can say that it is not the same as right. being in live, in service right. with your brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, we see uh, that that has been taken for granted and look what happened. And so I know that people miss it. And so now the opportunity is coming around to where you can be. So we want to invite you to come and to be a part of what God is doing here. Uh, I believe and I have heard from many of you that said that you cannot wait to get here. Well, we're extending that invitation to you now. Uh, come, be with us. We want to see you. And I promise you that you will not be disappointed. And it's not because we've got some trick that we can offer or because we're anything. It's because of the one that we magnify, yes. the one that we exalt. And uh, this past Sunday was just a tremendous time in the Lord. Uh, we had believers baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, people receiving from the Lord. Uh, and the Lord just moved in a tremendous way. And again, I know that if you're here and I believe the sincerity of the heart is to receive from the Lord and to be a part of it. And, and can you receive not being within these four walls? Absolutely. That's why I'm so thankful that he's a, a not bound the four walls. But it's not the same as being in the sanctuary and having that fellowship. So again, if you're in the greater Yakinville area, surrounding counties, surrounding cities, I don't care if you're 20, 30 minutes away, uh, come be here. Be with us. 
I promise you that you will not be disappointed. So with that being said, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and of course next Tuesday, we'll have our prayer meeting that we have been doing the last three weeks on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, our Wednesday night Bible study. But we got a lot of things that are coming up in the summer. We got Vacation Bible School that is coming up. Uh, we are going to start implementing our men's and women's meeting uh, in the month of June, too. So we got a lot of things for you to be involved in. We do children's church on Sundays. Uh, we have nursery that is available. So, again, there's a room and there's place for each and every single one of you. So if you got kids, don't be alarmed. We've got a place for them. And what greater place than to have your children than in the house of God where they are learning the truth. Amen. So, again, we thank you for joining with us tonight. Uh, we are studying, again, in Romans chapter 6. And this is the fourth week that we will be discussing uh, the sin nature, if you will. And, and it may be the last week, but nevertheless, we are going to go on in and keep continue to roll with chapter 6 uh, of the book of Romans for the next several Wednesdays and possibly on into chapter 7 and 8, as I feel that this is the direction that the Lord would have us to go in regarding um, victory over sin and Christians and understanding and knowing exactly how to live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. Because how many of us know that it is God's desire for us to live a victorious life? Right. And that uh, desire was within each and every single blood-bought child of God. Uh, but unfortunately, there are many that do not understand or do not know how to walk in victory. Um, or rather, their idea of walking in victory and how to overcome sin is uh, the ways of the flesh and not really the way that the Lord would have us to go. And so that's why we are going to teach us because it is so vital, so vital in the walk of a Christian. You know, salvation is so simple. Amen. It's just whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. It is so simple, just evidence and faith. But this walk for the Lord and this area of sanctification uh, that is taking place in our heart and life, if it is not understood how the Holy Spirit works within our heart and life now that we are saved, then it can end up being a miserable walk that God never intended for his children to experience or to go through. As children of the Most High God, he has given to us all that we need at Calvary, and we can receive it by faith, and we are to keep our faith anchored there solely there, exclusively there, and there the Holy Spirit can see that we receive the benefits of all that Christ has died to give us. I don't know about you, but when you take a job and they have a benefit package, there's free insurance, there's a 401k, there's usually paid time off, and you get all of these benefits, and you want them all because you have taken the job. You have come up on board with them and have became a part of that team. And so because of that, you now can receive the benefits. As children in Christ, we now can receive all of the benefits, which is far more than anything of any man or any job could ever offer you. Benefits that he has died to give you, that he has died to give me, that he's died to give the whole entire world. And all we've got to do is keep our faith anchored in Christ and what he's done, and we can receive them. Amen. So anyway, getting into chapter 6, we're going to be reading the first four verses of uh, chapter 6 in the book of Romans. And... Um, but before we do that, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing and his touch for this tonight. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we are just so thankful that we've got the privilege and the honor to call upon you, Lord. But we don't just quote you. We don't just call upon you, Lord, just out of repetition. But Lord, we call upon you because we know you, Lord. We know you in a personal way, Lord. And we know that you call us now a friend, Lord, to think that we were once an enemy of yours, but now now you call us your friend, Lord. And I'm so thankful tonight, Lord, that God, you hear us. Your ear is attentive to us when we cry out unto you, Lord. We thank you first and foremost for the blood of your son, Jesus, that was poured out on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago, Lord, that has now taken away our sin, Lord, and has given us life eternal, Lord. God, there's nothing any more wonderful than to say, Lord, that we have been redeemed, that we are saved, that we are blood-bought children 
of the Most High God, Lord. And we know that we're living in dark times. We know, Lord, that we are living in unprecedented times, Lord. But God, we have nothing to fear because we know that our Redeemer lives. And God, we know that one day soon, Lord, you're coming back for us. And oh, Lord, we are so thankful. And we long for that day to go home and to be with you, Lord. Lord, for you to take us out of this life, Lord, that is of sorrow and death and hopelessness, Lord. And God, we're going to pass on to live with you, Lord, where we'll never die again, Lord. And God, we're so thankful, Lord. And we, we, we are looking earnestly for that day. But God, until then, Lord, you have given us enough to be able to live for you, Lord. You've given us enough, Lord God, to have an abundant life, Lord, through what you did at Calvary's cross. Lord, we ask that you would draw our lost loved ones, those that are near and dear to our heart, Lord. We lift them up before you because, Lord, you said to seek first the kingdom of God. Lord, and we know that souls coming into you, Lord, is the most important thing. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be the church that you have called us to be and that, Lord, we would be the laborers, Lord, that you desire for us to be, God, and that, Lord, we would not waste one opportunity, one moment, Lord, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, Lord, to those that we come in contact with and that, Lord, we would be so mindful, Lord, and so in tune with your spirit that, God, we would be led by you, Lord, to speak, Lord, when you tell us to speak, God. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, let us never hold back, Lord, the only solution to man's problem, and that is you. Lord, we ask and pray for the needs of the people tonight, Lord. God, whether they are spiritual, uh, physical, Lord, financial, Lord, emotional, God, Lord, whatever the need is, Lord, we claim it right now for you to move and to touch these people, Lord. God, right now, Lord, let your grace shine down upon them, Lord. Lift up the one that is down, God. Be that encouragement to them that, Lord, you are, God. Let them begin to meditate upon the goodness of the Lord and let praise flow forth from their mouth, Lord. Those that are sick in body, Lord, let your healing virtue power flow to them, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, and every need that is there, God, Lord, I pray that they take it, Lord God, the, the, the answer for which they have, it is found in you, Lord. May they take, Lord, what you've done for them and receive it by faith. Lord, bless us tonight as we teach and, and your word. God, help us to rightly divide it. Lord, helping us not to do any harm to it, but God, anoint us and let the true teacher and the true preacher, Lord, of your word, come forth, Lord, and hide us behind your cross. And we'll forever give you praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. We thank you, those of you that are hopping on and joining even more. We thank you again for our uh, joining in with us on our Bible study tonight. So the book of Romans chapter 6, which is where we are at, reading the first four verses. Paul would say, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So, of course, Paul has just laid it all out and has told us uh, in the end of chapter 5, as we discussed last week, that where law entered in and was brought about, it was brought in for the fact to identify sin. Again, it was never brought in for us to live by. It was never brought in for us to try to keep, but it was brought in to identify sin for us to know. And of course, when sin was identified and it was there made known to us, we see that sin abounded. Amen. Because as the law was given, we seen, man, I am a, a breaker of the law in every single way. I cannot keep the law. So because the law was identified, sin did abound. It grew in leaps and bounds. It's almost as if, you know, my name was here and, 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 and I had checks before. But when the law grew, you know, checks started adding against my name because I broke every one of them. Because before salvation, you and I cannot keep the law. We can't keep the law even now. And in fact, everything that we did, even the good that we did as unbelievers, was still constituted as sin. Because the Bible says that anything that is not of faith, it is sin. And because our hearts has not been regenerated, because we've not been given a new heart, a heart of flesh, but we yet still have that heart of stone before we got saved, everything, even good that we 
did came from a diseased heart, so it was still constituted as sin. And I know that blows a lot of people's mind and it blows a lot of people's theology because they think, but I'm doing good. It doesn't matter. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born again and regenerated because until then, everything that we do our whole life is seen and, 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 and witnessed by the Lord as sin. So again, sin abounded and grew and it showed man their dilemma and their unholiness. But Paul said, and the Holy Spirit rather through Paul, but where sin did abound, where it increased, grace did much more abound because his grace super exceeds all sin. His grace is so much greater than my sin. His grace is greater than your sin was if you've been saved tonight. If you're not saved and you're lost and undone and you may think that I've done too much, you don't know what I've done. Let me tell you, his grace is yeah, so much you, greater. And the devil is deceiving people and he loves to tone and loves to speak lies unto people and making them think that they're not good enough, that they don't measure up like we in the church. Let me tell you, me here tonight standing before you, those that come here and those all around that you know that love the Lord, ain't none of us perfect. And I know Lord, that that might be improper uh, grammar, but the truth is the truth. Ain't none of us perfect and none of us have squeaky clean past, but all of us have seen and come short of the glory of God. But what you're looking at tonight and what you see on these people on the platform when you're watching our Sunday services and we have praise and worship, you're seeing a people that has been covered by the blood of yes, Jesus Christ whose sin has been atoned, who has been forgiven and received grace. That's what you're seeing. You're not seeing a people that's perfect. You're not seeing a people that's holy within themselves. You're seeing a people that has received the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus Christ and are now been accepted by God and is now justified by God. That's what you're seeing and you're beholding. And you too can have the same thing tonight. All you have to do is cry out and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Have mercy. And right then and there, salvation comes down, which is all of God. God and none of us and is now being able to be received by the person that is calling out unto the Lord. And so the question is asked again, how can and does one receive this grace? And the answer, if you were to ask many people, how does one receive grace? Great, the answer would vary. A lot of people will say, well, you receive grace because of works that you do. You receive grace because you don't do this. Grace is not, is not received that way. Grace, we know, is simply the goodness of God extended to a people that is undeserving. Amen? And none of us deserve it. None of us deserve his goodness. But the reason why we can be recipients of it tonight, the reason why I'm a recipient, these that are here are recipient, is because they have simply evidenced faith in Christ and what he's done. And because they've evidenced that faith, that faith is the channel by which grace can flow. Do you hear me tonight? Works is not the channel by which grace flows. For the unbeliever and also for the believer. The grace that we need from God each and every single day flows down one channel and one channel only, and it's faith. It's like the same way that one is saved. That's one way, the only way that one can get to the Father is by Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, singular. So there's only one way for that grace to flow from God to help us, number one, to save us, but also to aid us and to help us along life's journey, and it's through the channel of faith. And so if we don't evidence faith in Christ and what he's done, then grace can't flow down to you and I tonight. Because grace only flows one way and one way only. If our faith is within ourselves, if our faith is within our works, then grace is not going to come to us. Because again, grace is given to an undeserving people. If you are doing works and your faith is in your works and what you do, then you're saying, I merit something from God and I deserve something from God. And let me tell you, you and I don't deserve one good thing from the Lord. What we deserve is hell. What we deserve is judgment. But what he has given to us is mercy. What he's given to us is grace. What he's loved us when we were yet enemies of his. He's died for us. So we have received so much more than what we could ever deserve. But in order for that grace to continue to flow. 
In order for it to continue to flow and to help us in our life, we've got to keep our faith in Christ and solely there and nowhere else. Amen. Amen. So when one looks at the cross and sees what was done there for you, there's not one way that one cannot see how undeserving they are of God's grace. When I look at the cross, I see that there hung a man named Jesus, the Son of the living God, and hung there and paid the penalty for my sin, atoned for my sin that I didn't deserve. And when I look there, I see that that it was my sin that caused him to do that. Right. It was love that motivated him, but the reason why he did it was because of my sin. And it's not just, but it's the entire sin of the entire world hinged and hung upon him that day. But let me tell you, if it would have just been for one, if it would have just been for me, if it would have just been for you, if it would have just been for anyone, he would have done it, but he done it for the entirety of the world. Amen. So the sin nature, what we're talking about, that reigned in you before salvation, before salvation was rendered powerless the moment that you said yes to Jesus Christ. So that sin nature that we've been talking about for the last four weeks is that bend that is within inside of us to do that which is contrary to God's word. So all unbelievers are ruled by that sin nature that exists within each and every one of us, even as believers. But the difference between the unbeliever and the believer is that they are now ruled and reigned by the divine nature once they've said yes to Jesus Christ. That sin nature before salvation is what ruled and reigned in your heart. You turn on the news, you see all the evil, you see the murder, you see the rape, you see uh, the, the, the wars, you see the crime like never before. And the reason for all of that is because of sin. It is not an educational problem. It is not an environmental problem. It is not a financial problem. The reason why we see all the what we see today is because of that three-letter word that we don't like to mention anymore but it still exists and it is sin. It is the sin nature that is within inside the person who is unregenerated, who has not been reborn, that is ruling and reigning them, that is bending them to do all of this evil that you see. And let me tell you, this evil that you see, uh, crime and, uh, and uh, murder and all of that, it's not just those things. It's the lying, it's the cheating, it's the stealing, it's the gossiping, it's the backbiting, it's the saying the words you shouldn't say. It's all of these things that we don't get jail time for but yet it's still sin. Thinking bad thoughts. All of these things. These things is sin. Okay? And it rules and it reigns within that heart. I know what I was before I got saved and I didn't care about the way that I lived and, and, I, and I did the evilness and it was there and it, and it ran rampant but because I got saved it all changed. It was done away with and now the divine nature has come yeah, in and took over and that nature to do evil was pushed out was pushed down and now I've got a nature, God's holy nature within him that is now reigning inside of me that is saying no don't do this in fact has even taken the desires away yeah. how else could the desires of the heart be taken away the only reason why it came is because a whole brand new heart has been given to you by and it is, it is uh, 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 mastered if you will and, and, and engulfed by a new nature a new master the Holy Spirit okay so again this sin nature comes from the fall of Adam now, I will tell you, and I want to hit on this, that psychology, psychology says that, that, uh, that be, doesn't believe that we as human beings have a sin nature. Psychology believes that man's problems are moral and exist from childhood. That's what psychology preaches. That's what psychology teaches. And sad to say it exists from behind many pulpits in the church house today, and it should not exist there whatsoever. Psychology is unscriptural. It is from the powers of darkness, and it is not godly whatsoever. Our problem the problem of everybody is sin. It's that nature that we have been born with that the only thing that brings it up under control, the only thing that subdues it is, again, the regeneration that takes place. And the moment that you got saved, that sin nature was rendered powerless. The way I like to say it, it was unplugged, and you got plugged into the divine nature, the Holy Spirit. You now got Holy Ghost power. You ain't got evil power running in you. You've got Holy Ghost power running in you that only comes from above. Amen? 
So the same nature that reigned before you was leading you down a road of destruction and death. But again, Jesus Christ came by and parted grace unto you, placed his divine nature inside of you. So now says you can live a holy life. You can now serve me. You can now do that which is right. Because you've got the help of the Holy Spirit. You, and, and, and you've got the comforter. In the Greek, it is parakleta, meaning one that has been called alongside. Listen, when you got saved, he came alongside of you now. And he's walking with you. He's inside of you. He's with you wherever you go. And he talks to us. He teaches us. Amen. He guides us. And all we've got to do is bend to him, listen to him, keep our faith anchored in Christ and what he's done. And he's the power source that comes alongside Amen. and gives you that help that you yeah, need you. to live above the dominion of sin. Amen. This lie that is out there. Well, you have to sin a little bit every day. That's not true. Because if you say that, then you're saying that the blood of Jesus Christ is not enough. It is greater. It defeated the powers of darkness. We don't preach and teach that you will live a, a sinless life. We don't preach and teach sinless perfection because the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't preach that. But what we do preach and what we do teach is that sin shall not have dominion over you. You've been saved. You were set free at Calvary. The powers of darkness were totally annihilated at Calvary. And Paul here is going into this, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's saying you've been baptized into the death of Christ. Those powers of darkness no longer have control over you because you have been set free at Calvary. You've got the divine nature. And the last time I checked, the word says, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. But the reason why we don't see victory, the reason why we're ruled with bondages in our life, whether it be uh, the, the, the five big ones that we talk about, or, or fear, or anxiety, or, or cigarettes, or drinking, gossiping, uh, uh, lying, cheating, still, the list goes on and on. All of these things, the reason why we see them taking place and having dominion over us as believers, as blood-bought children of God, is because we're trying to defeat it on our own within our own power, instead of letting him defeat it for us. Yeah. It's already been defeated. Thank you. The victory's already yours. We don't, we sing that old song, victory is mine, victory is mine, victory is mine today. I told Satan, get thee behind, victory today is mine. Well, let me tell you, the only reason why you can say, devil, get thee behind, is because you were set free in Calvary. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. And that's the reason why Satan can get, you can say Satan get thee behind. You're not doing it within your own willpower. You're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit that is living inside of you. And because you understand, hey, Satan, I was set free. You can't set up camp here. You can't rule and have dominion over me anymore. I was set free. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name is the Holy Ghost, who's leading me, who's guiding me, who's there. He's a whole lot powerful and he kicked you out the moment he came in you've been jailed that's right because i'm free thank you we switch places i was chained i was locked up behind them bars and you were running free and able to do but now the reverse is changed you're chained up you're locked up you're dead and now i am free but why is it that we don't walk in our christian life as we're free as who we really are in Christ and because of what he has done. The transformation only comes from the regenerated life of a person when they receive a brand new heart. You see, psychology cannot deliver. What psychology teaches and what psychology says is let's treat the problem. Mm -mm. So you can't treat a problem. You take somebody, for example, that quits maybe smoking and did different techniques. They may have stopped, but that only means they've been treated. That's not the same as deliverance. Psychology tries to treat the problem, whereas Jesus delivers one from the problem. He don't just treat it. He delivers you and even strips the desire away from it. Psychology can't do that. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can not only strip you uh, of that bondage, but also can take away the desire from it. There's a lot of people that's walking around and they're not doing certain things anymore, but their desire is still there for it. They struggle with it each and every single day. 
And we as believers need to get honest with ourselves because it's happening a whole lot more than what we realize. We struggle with it. The desire for the sin, that desire is there. We may not be doing it right now, but the reason why it's there is because we're trying to still, we're focusing on the problem and focusing on the failure, focusing on the bondage, rather than focusing on Christ and what he's done. See, our eyes need to get back on him. And when we say, Lord, I can't, you can't help me. I'm saying, Lord, I can't do this. I'm denying myself and I'm depending upon what he's already done at Calvary, which then releases the power of the Holy Spirit to help me. That's what he's there for. He's there to help us. All he wants you to do is take off your shoes, kick back and rest in what Christ has done. I'll do now all of the work. All I want you to do is rest. But what we do is we come in. I use this example a lot. It's almost as if like a house has been purchased. You've been given a house. You've been handed the title deed to it. It's yours. Bought, paid for it. Wow. You walk right on into the house. But when you walk into the house, it's yours. It's there. But there's a whole lot of work that needs to be done. And the way we, we would see that we look at that as remodeling or contractor. And this is the way it is with the Holy Spirit. You've been purchased. You've been bought. You've now received all that he has. He's there inside of you. But there's still a whole lot that needs to be cleaned up. You see, there's still cobwebs in this corner. There's dirt behind here. And what we want to do is go in there and start doing all of this, cleaning up our own self. And he's saying, no, no, you sit down, you rest, and let me do all of the work. It's almost as if you have a maid to come in into your home to clean it up. You pay them to do, do work. It would be crazy for you to pay a, a house cleaning service to come in and clean the house up. And you go right in front of them and say, well, let me clean it, let me clean it, I know better. No, they're the professionals. You're paying them. The Holy Spirit is there. It's been bought and purchased by the Calvary, by the blood of Jesus Christ, so that he can come in and do the work. He don't need you to do it. He just needs you to rest in what Christ has done in his finished work, and he will strip those things away that don't need to be there. Because let's be honest, we all got junk with inside of us. You want to know what it is? Pray what David did. Lord, search my heart. Right. Search my heart, Lord. Not my neighbors, not my cousins, not my aunts, not anybody else's. Let's focus on me. Let's focus on this right here. We center in. You know, all of these things we worry about. No, no, search my heart, oh Lord. Show me the wickedness that is there within. When's the last time that we prayed that? When's the last time we've asked the Lord to search us? Because I promise you, if you do, you'll realize, whoa, oh boy, there's a whole lot here. A whole lot of things, you know. He wants to take those things away from us. And again, we think because we don't smoke or we don't drink or we don't cuss, we're good to go. But again, we're murdering. Some people never will murder somebody in the physical, but they murder with their mouth every day. We don't kill nobody, but we murder. We talk about people. We run them down. We, we, we ridicule them. We judge them. We do all of this stuff, but we don't look at that as sin because it ain't part of the big five. No, no, that's just as ugly as the other stuff. And he desires to take that from us to make us more like him, amen? We all say to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. And that should be the greatest desire of your heart, the greatest desire of my heart, the greatest desire of every true blood-bought child of God above anything is to be like Jesus. And he wants to transform you, but it only comes through the renewing of your mind. That's how he does it. Romans tells us that. And by the renewing of our mind, can he transform us? And our minds has to be renewed every day and get it off of us and put it on him. Because if we don't look to him, he can't do the work because we're focusing on self. Self can't fix self. Self is the problem. So how can the solution be the problem? We are the problem. So then how can self turn around and be the solution to fix the problem? It can't. The solution is Christ and what he did at Calvary. Amen. All right. So the reason why we state this about the psychology that we said is because Paul addressed the erroneous thought of continuing his sin, meaning going back to question one, 
What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Okay? And the reason why he says this is he's really meaning how can we continue to stay in relationship to the sin nature before salvation just so grace can abound or be greater? It's impossible. When one gets saved, there's no way they can continue to be in the same relationship with the sin nature. Because Paul says, hey, when you got saved, you died. You've been baptized. The sin nature can't have control and doesn't have control anymore over the one that has truly been saved, that has truly been regenerated. It cannot reign anymore. You've been set free. The sin nature reigned in that old man. Guess what? As a saved person, you're a new man. How the sin nature reigned in the old man. He don't reign in the new man. The divine nature reigns. God's very nature reigns in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. So there's no way that you can continue to stay locked up, hooked up, if you will, in relationship to the sin nature if you've truly been born again. That's why we say salvation will tell on you. It's impossible to still continue on your life of sin after you've been truly born again. For one to say that or for one to continue to do that tells me they didn't truly receive salvation. They were not truly born again. And there are many that know about God. They can quote this Bible to you. They know about the crucifixion of Christ. They know about Peter walking upon the water. They know about Jesus healing the blind man. They know about his virgin birth. They know about his perfect life. They know about his healings. They know about his miracles. They know about his resurrection on the third day. They know about him being beside the Father. But knowing about it and knowing him is two totally different things. And there are millions that are sitting in church today or on Sunday that know about all of those things but they don't know him. That's totally different. I can know about somebody all day long but that don't mean I know them. Amen? Alright. So again, there are many who will take verse 20 of chapter 5 and say that regardless of what is done, grace is greater than sin. Meaning that it doesn't matter what I do, grace is greater and covers it all. And listen, it's true to an extent because grace is greater than sin. But the grace of God that has been shed upon the believing sinner has not been shed and given and now reigning inside so that you can continue to live the life of sin that you were living before. That's not why his grace is there, just to cover all of your sin so, so he could just be there and say, well, let me cover it up so he could do whatever he wants to do. That's not why his grace is there. His grace is there, number one, to rid you of your sin. But there again, when we fall, when we mess up, and we're going to, it ain't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Because you and I all play the role of a bonehead from time to time. Right. We do. We mess up. But see, justification by faith says that I'm still saved even in despite of my failures. Because I'm not justified by my performance. I'm not justified by my works. I'm justified by my faith. That's how I'm justified. And true justification will always produce holiness. It will lead you to a life of holiness, amen? So now there's no way you can continue to live under the influence of the sin nature. You're now living under the influence of the divine nature. And there is no way that, again, one is truly saved who has the desire to continue on. You see, that desire to, the, to be led by the sin nature is totally stripped away the moment that you get saved. So it's impossible because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That sin nature that reigned in you was connected and was there in that old man. I'm a new man today. That old man's in the tomb. Right. Amen. I've been resurrected, not an old man, a new person, a new creature in Christ Jesus with a brand new heart that's inhabited by the Holy Spirit that now has a divine nature. So it's impossible to continue on in that same relationship to the sin nature, Paul was saying, now that one has been converted. Amen. So salvation creates a new desire within the heart to now follow after the Lord and his righteousness. So Paul is saying that his grace does not give us the license of sin, but hear me, his grace has given us the power through the Holy Spirit to now live for the Lord free from a life dominated by sin. 
His, life, his grace is not saying, okay, I'm giving you permission to go out and sin. No. But I'm sending my grace so that now you can live a life free from the dominion of the sin nature. Whereas before you couldn't do it. You were chained up. But now you've been chained and now you're claimed. You see, we were once chained. But now we've been changed and now we're claimed as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? So this is the power source that we need to live for him. We don't need another seminar. We don't need an AA program. I'm sorry. We don't need celebrate recoveries in churches. What we need is celebrate Jesus. Amen? Amen. Why am I celebrating recovery? No, I'm celebrating Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. We don't need these programs. We don't need these fasts. And I understand that they come from good intentions. But that's not what sets the believer free. That's not what sets the sinner free. The only thing that sets them free is the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's give them Jesus and let the power of the Holy Spirit move on them and strip them of these things that only he can. To use programs, to use fads, to use these things. Paul said if righteousness come by the law, Christ is dead in vain. So to use these things and to place our faith in those things, we're, not, we're, not, we're saying the blood of Jesus is not enough. Either the blood of Jesus is enough or it's not enough. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now this verse is it's it's the word of God. But I have seen it taken out of context because we think because it says, Be ye holy, for I am holy, we put all the responsibility on me. We put all the responsibility on you. No, no. You can't be holy within yourself. That's why he had to die to set you free. You can't be holy on your own. And you're not holy on your own. You're holy in Christ Jesus. Right. And the reason why he says, be ye holy, for I am holy, because you're in Christ. He's holy, so start acting like what you say you are. We got to start acting. There's so many people, and we know them, uh, you know them, all around. Everybody's a Christian. Everybody's saved. Everybody knows the Lord. But yet their lives says contrary. They don't live a life of righteousness. There's not no holiness that is there. No, we're to be holy. If you say you're a Christian, act like a Christian. If you say you're saved, let's act like we're saved. Let's not just claim the name because we're bringing a reproach upon Christ, number one. And it doesn't matter what you claim. He's looking at the heart tonight. He's not looking at what I profess. He's looking at what I possess. And I better possess Jesus. It ain't all about the proclamation. That proclamation ain't going to matter. Even the Bible says that one day they're going to stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out demons? Did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not preach? Or did I not do all of these things in your name? They used the name of Jesus. They spouted out the name of Jesus. But he's going to look at them and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Because it's not about the proclamation. It's not about the profession. It's about the possession. Amen. That's what gets us into heaven. Do we truly possess Jesus? Have we truly been changed? Because it breaks my heart because I think so many think they have. And that's the power and the greatest tool of the enemy is deception. Right. Making people think they truly have received Christ. Because they went through ceremonies, because they went through rituals, because they pay their tithe, because they go to church, because they read their Bible, because they pray. And none of that has to do with salvation. It's faith and grace. So again, the commandment was given by God unto the children of Israel in Leviticus, but it equally maintains true and fast for the Christian of today. So he still expects us to be holy and to live and act like him. Don't act like the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We've been saved. We've been set free. So we're to act like we have been set free. Amen. So the reason why he can expect this from us is because we're now followers of Jesus and he's placed his spirit. So that's why he can say, be ye holy for I am holy. Peter repeating this in his epistles because Jesus Christ is holy. He's in us. We're in him. We're to act like him. Amen? 
Again, we're to yield to the Holy Spirit and obey the commandments. Amen. So again, the greatest lie that the enemy makes a lot of people think is that you've got to sin every day. And you don't. Do we fall short? Yes. But it should not be intentionally going out and saying, I'm sinning just so I can. I've been covered by his grace. No. I'm covered by his grace so that now I've been set free. I can now live for him. I can now live free. I can have abundant life, not dominated by the sin nature anymore. Not, his grace ain't been given to me so that I can say, oh, now let me just get out here and do whatever I want. God forbid, Paul says. God forbid. Talk about cheapening the blood of Jesus Christ and what he's done. That's not why he shed his blood. That's not why he set us free so that we can continue in the same relationship to the sin nature. Paul says, first of all, it's impossible. Second of all, the desire is not even going to be there. Amen. So again, how shall we remain in sin? Again, Paul's saying that we uh, that grace may abound. Again, he was speaking of you and I as blood-bought believers that now have received his grace. And the reason why he asked this question is because many thought this doctrine of grace that he preached now gave us a license to sin. And I will tell you, it is no different than today. When you look at an individual and you say, all you have to do is believe. And keep your faith anchored in Christ and what he's done and rest. It will always upset the religious mindset. It will always enrage that pharisaic spirit that is within those that are bound by religion. Because they, I've heard this before all my life. Yes, it's by faith and grace. Yes, it's by the cross. And just their, just their speech of the cross like that lets me know they don't truly understand what has taken place for them at Calvary. Because if we truly understood what he did for us at Calvary, we would never speak of him in that manner. We would never say, well, we all know about the cross. First of all, who can know everything about what God has done? We can never exhaust the cross. We got to realize that everything that we have tonight, all blessings, relationship, gifts of the Spirit, joy, fruit of the Spirit, everything is because of the cross. So for us to speak disparagingly of the cross, my God, forgive us. It's because of what he did at Calvary that we're here tonight. It's because of what he did at Calvary. The Holy Spirit can live inside of us and comfort us when we're going through those dark times, when we're facing trials because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But again, when you mention this, they said, well, yes, you get saved, but there's something that you've got to now go on and do your part. Your part is to believe. Stay dead and believe. Now, what do I mean by that, stay dead? When you got saved, Paul would go on to tell us in Galatians 2.20 that I have now been crucified with Christ. You died. Paul goes on here and tells us, do you not know that you've been baptized into the death of Jesus Christ? You died. You now can live a resurrected life because of what he's done. So what he wants you and I to do is stay dead and believe. Stay dead. And rest in what he's done. Because that's all he needs you to do. And I promise you he can do more in five minutes than you could ever think about doing in a lifetime. But yet somehow we think we've got willpower. We've got power within ourselves to be able to do what only God the Holy Spirit can do. We got to stay dead. We are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. It's him who's living inside of you. You're to stay dead. Remain dead. You know, dead person don't have no feelings. Let him live in you so he can live through you. All right. Again, how can we continue? Paul said to remain in the same relationship to the sin nature as before when it's been disarmed. When it's been unconnected. When it's been rendered powerless. How can you stay in the same relationship? You're dead. And the, Listen. The sin nature can't rule something that's dead. Right? You're dead. It's like a dog. A dog that is alive will listen to the commands of its master, right? When you tell it to sit, it sits. When you tell it to jump, it jumps. When you tell it to bark, it barks. 
But when the dog dies, you can bark out commands all you want to. The, he ain't going to jump when you say jump if he's dead. He's not going to bark when you say bark because he's dead. It don't matter the commands you give to him. He's dead. Listen, Satan can bow out commands all he wants to. You don't have to listen. You don't obey because you died. You're a new creature, and now you're obeying a new master. That's Jesus. He's our master. It's impossible for grace and sin to both hold a relationship with the believer. It is like oil and water. And talking about the divine nature and the sin nature. They don't go hand in hand. Justification will produce a hatred of sin in the life of a believer while at the same time producing a love for holiness. That's what's so beautiful about the regeneration process, the new birth. There will be a hatred for sin and a love and a desire now for holiness. This desire that you've got to be like him and to pursue him doesn't come from you. It comes from the Christ that's within inside of you. Thank you. There may be a struggle to sin. Well, some people will look at me and say, all right, I hear what you're telling me, but yet I'm still struggling with a particular sin. And there are many believers, many that are there, they're struggling with bondage. That doesn't mean that they're, the sin nature's reign. That doesn't mean that they love that. There's a, there's a hatred of it. But the reason why there's a bondage to sin, the reason why there, there's a, a struggle that's there is because they don't understand that Christ has already defeated it. See, they're trying to defeat something that's already been defeated. How many, you think about it, it's like people that, that may be struggling with smoking cigarettes and they try to chew gum every time they got a temptation. Or let's go get Chantix, I believe it is, and let's chew on it and it will take away the desire and the cravings. Listen, that is all willpower of man. That's self. We've got to deny self. You can't do it. Let's not just pick on cigarettes. Talking about someone. That struggle that is there. But we don't even look at that as a sin. We don't even look at that as a struggle. We're running people down like that. We're talking about them. We're ridiculing them. No, that's not pleasing to the Lord. But the reason why is the bondage is there and those that want rid of it and the reason why they can't get that tongue up under control that the Bible tells us about that is unruly is because they're trying to stop it themselves. Listen, the powers of darkness, the sin that this struggle, that a person is struggling with, was defeated at Calvary. We're trying to defeat something that's already been defeated. But guess what? That's where Satan wants the believer at. Satan does not want the believer to hear this message, to hear the message of Christ and him crucified. He does not want you to place your faith exclusively in Christ and what he's done because he knows then you know the answer. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2 that he did me, he made an open show of every single power of darkness, every demon in hell triumphing over them. He defeated them. He sent every one of them packing. He destroyed them. He annihilated them. And guess what? He did it for you. And when you got saved, every power of darkness was defeated. That's why he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So we don't have to walk around dominated by sin. We don't have to struggle with it. There's no reason for the struggle. It's already been handled. Get your eyes on Christ and what he's done. Look at the cross for where that's where your, your help comes from. Put your faith there and watch the Holy Spirit help you. And do what you can never do, but yet you've always wanted to do. I lived that life for years where I was trying to find victory. I was trying to do it within myself. And I thought, surely this is the answer. Surely this is what it is. And I was trying to do it by law. No. Christ had already done it for me. And buddy, when that got a hold of me, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You've already done it for me. I don't have to do it. Praise be to God. A weight lifted off of me. That's what he said. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Take what I've done for you. Learn about my finished work and you shall find rest unto your souls. Yeah, thank you, Lord. 
The rest that you need tonight, the rest that I need tonight, comes through Christ and what he's done. So we got to take up his cross, which he's done it all for us. It's easy. Learn of what he's done, and we'll find rest into our soul. Rest into our spirit, man. Amen. Without understanding what was accomplished at Calvary, the sin nature will dominate. And the reason why is because of lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Because we're not pointing the believer to Christ and what he's done. So we look at the cross as the only answer, is the, is the answer for only the sinner. The cross is the answer for the saint. Everything that you need comes through Christ. And speaking here of victory, it comes through Christ and what he did at Calvary. That's where your victory was won. Your victory wasn't won in fasting. Your victory wasn't won in reading your Bible. Your victory is not won because you say, okay, I'm going to pray 45 minutes today instead of 35 minutes. Listen, that's law. Your victory was won at Calvary. It's already yours. Positionally, you are in Jesus. Victory's already yours. It's time to start walking in victory in what Christ has done. But see, if we don't look to Christ and what he's done, and we don't have a knowledge and an understanding of this, and we're not being pointed back to the cross, i.e., this is what preaching and teaching does, is to gear, to steer that believer and the sinner on that path to the cross. If we don't do that, then we're pointing them to self. And self will always leave you bruised and in a road of destruction. To say that one continues to sin after salvation demeans and cheapens the blood of Jesus. His blood is so powerful that it will set any captive free and place them on the path of righteousness. Listen, what about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8? He looked at her and he said, woman, where are thine accusers? And we all know the story. She says, Lord, I have none. The moment she said, Lord, she evidenced faith in him and what he had done. She didn't go through no long prayer. And he looked at her, though, and what did he say? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, why did he tell her go and sin no more? She had been set free. She wasn't to go and to continue living that life before. She had been set free. So there's no way that one can look at you and say, and still live in that life of sin after they said they got saved. There may be a struggle with particular acts and those clinging binds of the fall, but to live a life dominated by sin and reigned by the sin nature, it's impossible. If one's truly been saved, and if one's truly been saved, they've really been set free. Many read this verse and think that it's speaking of acts of sin, and again, that's not the case. Paul was not speaking of acts of sin. He was speaking about the sin nature. So when we read verse 1, we should, read, we should really be reading it like this. Shall we as believers continue to sustain the same relationship with the sin nature that we sustained before we were saved? And of course the answer is as Paul, God forbid. No. There's no way that we should sustain the same relationship to the sin nature before we, as we did before we got saved. It's impossible, amen? So Paul then, and I'm going to close with this. It's already 8 o'clock. Paul then goes on in verse 2 to say, how can we say that we're dead to the sin nature, live any longer therein? And again, the last time I checked, a person that's dead is dead. They can't obey the commands of that sin nature. When you die, you die. You no longer have to, to obey the commands of the sin nature. They're going to try and wreak havoc. The sin nature is going to try to cause you problems in your life with the Lord. But listen, quit saying no to your problem and start saying yes to Christ and what he did for you at Calvary. See, that's the problem. As believers, we're saying no to a problem instead of saying yes to the solution. Quit saying no, because when you do this, I'm not going to do it this time. I'm not going to do it anymore. And then guess what? Tomorrow comes and we fail. Why? Because we're putting faith within self. You can't do it. You're not the solution. You're the problem. So quit saying no to the sin and start saying yes to Jesus. So when the enemy comes and talks on that sin nature, try, no, it's dead. It's laying dormant. I don't have to listen to you. I died. A new creature came forth in Christ Jesus. Listen, when you died, it was as last as you were buried in the tomb. 
And when Lazarus come forth, he was bound in grave clothes, which is a type of many believers. They were bound. But Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And the grave clothes come off. When Jesus saved your soul, he set you free. The grave clothes come off. And now you can walk. Quit hanging around the tomb. He set you free. Glory. He loosened them grave clothes off of you. He broke. He set you free. So now you can go and free and enjoy life, enjoy an abundant life, looking to him and praising him all the day long. And now you will celebrate him and praise him like never before because it's not just that he saved your soul, but you realize he set me free. And now I'm happy all the day long. All the day long. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stop here because it's 8 o'clock. I can keep going, but we won't do it. So anyway, let's just go close out in word and prayer tonight with those also that are watching. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your help that you've given us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful, Lord, and we know that it has blessed and touched the heart of your people. God, I pray, Lord, that if there be any struggle that is there with any sin in the life of your children, God, I pray that, Lord, you these words that have been spoken tonight, Lord, God, would just, uh, would just continue, Lord, to repeat over and over again in their heart. And, Lord, help them to realize let there be a true manifestation of your spirit that you have already set them free and that, Lord, they're free in Christ Jesus. And that, Lord, if we look to you and solely you and what you've done, then, Lord, we shall reap the benefits of your finished work, Lord. God, we thank you again for all that you've done. Bless your people, Lord, as we go our separate ways until we join again. And we'll forever give you praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. We thank each and every one of you again tonight. A lot of you hopped on after we got started. And we pray that it has been a blessing to you. Remember, again, I said it in the beginning that this Sunday we will have church again. Our doors are open. We've opened them the last two weeks. We haven't put a statement out on Facebook because I don't want to maybe put a target, but we're letting you know. And some of you have reached out to us and told us and expressed interest and said that you've been blessed by it, that live within driving distance. Be here. Come. Be a part of it. And I promise you, yes. you will not be disappointed. So, but if you can't, and maybe you live far off, join with us at 1030 Sunday morning and again on Sunday evening at 6 p.m. We love each and every one of you. We're praying for you. If you have any needs, don't hesitate to reach out to us and uh, leave comments below. Share this page. Share this. We want the word to get out. And we just pray uh, many, many blessings on each and every single one of you. And we love you. Be blessed.